The 29th, the last Sunday of October, we have Next Steps. Next Steps is it's, it's your on-ramp to all things Four Corners. Uh, so if you're new and you want to know how to take your next step into this awesome church, we have something called Next Steps, and it is what it is. It is what it sounds like it is. It's, that, it's the step. You take it, and you run with it. Um, it includes lunch, and if you've got kids, it even includes childcare. It's right after service on the 29th, so I invite you to uh, come be a part of that. Um, hey, we're going to dig right into our series. We're in a series called Encountering Jesus. Really what we're doing is we're looking at different encounters uh, in the Gospel of John that Jesus had with individuals. There are, um, in the Gospel of John, he just has some, just some great examples of people encountering Jesus, and every one of them is different. God is the same, Jesus is the same, but how he meets us oftentimes depends on where we are. He can, he can find us, he can meet us, he knows where we are, he can meet us there. And so in the Gospel of John, there's all kinds of different encounters where Jesus meets people right where they are, and uh, that's really what the series is. We're just kind of looking at what that looks like for different uh, individuals. Sometimes we can come to church or we can come to faith with this mindset that we have to, before, before we can meet God or before God will look at us, we got to jump through a lot of hoops and we got to do a lot of dances and we got to do a lot of changes. We got to do a lot of stuff. And the Gospel of John so many times just shows us that, man, it's just, that's just not what Jesus requires. Um, God meets you where you are. So our prayer for the series is really that, you'd, that you would encounter Jesus in a few different places. The first one is in the pages of Scripture. Anybody in here, you started, uh, we started last week in the Gospel of John. Maybe you picked up and began to read in the Gospel of John. Maybe you already have a reading plan or you, or you stopped in the middle of a reading plan and you're like, I'm going to start a new one in the Gospel of John. Our prayer is that you would encounter Jesus in the pages of Scripture. So whether it's uh, doing a reading plan by yourself or maybe with a, a couple other people, or even in your small group, you'd encounter Jesus in the pages of Scripture. We pray that you would encounter Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, I'm going to go away, and it's good that I go away. It's good that I go to be with the Father, because then I'll send the Holy Spirit. That sounds crazy that it would be good that Jesus would leave. I would think that I would really want, I would rather Jesus be in the room right now. I would gladly give the microphone to Jesus. Like, Jesus, you preach. I imagine you would have a better message than me. But for some reason, Jesus said, it's good that I go away. And so the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit uh, loves to encounter people. And so our prayer is that you would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And also, uh, the other one is the participation in the life of the church. We just hope that you're encountering Jesus in a, in a small group, in a serve team, maybe in an outreach that we're doing uh, in one of those areas. All right, so our passage of Scripture this morning is John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. Everybody say John 3, 16. Y'all ready for this? All right, here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world. Some of y'all need to hear that one again. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. 
Whoever believes in him isn't judged. Whoever doesn't believe in him is already judged because they don't believe in the name of God's only son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some encounters should come with a, a warning label. Some encounters should come with a warning label. I, I, look, I, I used to live in Birmingham. I loved going to the zoo. Anybody been to the Birmingham Zoo? Anybody been to, there's a lot of zoos. Anybody ever been to a zoo? Just a zoo, period. Some of you are like, I got three little kids every day. Every day, Joel, I'm at the zoo. Everybody had their favorite when, I was, uh, when, the, when the kids were little. Uh, we would go and we would visit. Uh, one of my kids, their, their favorite exhibit was the, the monkeys. Want to see the monkeys? Um, one of my kids, their favorite was the, the zebras. Um, zebras are odd looking. I don't know if you guys have seen a zebra lately. It's, it's, there, it's literally like God literally painted stripes on them. I don't know if you ever paid attention. It's, it's wild. Um, and then uh, we had, a, we had a, people, uh, uh, one of my kids loved the monkeys. One of my kids loved the zebras. Uh, one of my kids loved the camels because uh, she wanted me to pay $5 every time so that she could ride the camel. And that was her favorite. She wanted to ride the camel. My favorite was the lion. I love the lion encounter. I'd go see, I'd go see the lion in Birmingham Zoo. There was a, there was a thing on the uh, a warning label on the glass. It said, don't, don't hit the glass. Don't tap on the glass. And then these kids would come around, and I guess they couldn't read. Um, I, I'll never forget. I went one time, and the lion uh, was just kind of roaming around. Lions are enormous. My goodness, they're, I don't know. They're the king of the jungle. I don't know if you all heard that one. Um, he, he's, he's, what, he's, he's like a million pounds, and he has this huge mane, and he walks. He's just kind of lumbering around, and he owns the place. He walks like he owns the place even though he's encaged. Like he's, he doesn't even matter to him. He goes up to the rock. All right, there's this rock all the way up at the top um, uh, in the enclosure. He climbs to the top, and he just stands there like this. And I'm like, it, there's no way it's about to happen. I mean, this straight Lion King is happening in front of me. And he opens up his mouth and roars. You could hear it across the entire, the entire zoo. You could hear it. We all just stood there in awe. We were like, oh, my God, this is, this is amazing. I feel like if the lion wanted to escape, it, it, like it could have. I feel like it would, there's such power there. I had a friend who went um, on a safari in Africa when he was younger. Uh, he was, uh, I think we were in our 20s, maybe 22 or so. And um, the guide, he was in the car, and the guide was like, whatever you do, don't get out of the car. Uh, on the safari. And so they get close and uh, they're, they're driving and they see um, uh, a lion and, and they stop and the lion kind of walks up and he starts kind of messing with the car in front of him. And there's a tag on the back. And so he, he watches the lion just kind of, just with a paw, just kind of messes around and just rips the tag off like it's nothing. And then he just eats it a little bit, you know, just car tag. And, um, he just kind of then scoots it off on the side and lumbers on away. Well, they're parked, and the car in front's parked. Everybody's freaked out. And so my friend thought, hey, this would be smart. Let's get out of the car. And so he gets out of the car and bolts to the tag because he needs a, 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 a memento, all right, from his trip. He grabs the tag. It's dripping in slobber, and he runs back. And just before he gets to the car, no, I'm kidding, he doesn't get eaten. Y'all are waiting on that one. He jumps in the car, and he's fine, whatever. He, he lives to tell another story. The guide looks at him. Did somebody just say, oh, man? I've, I heard somebody say, oh, man. Oh, man. My friend Philip, he's not here with us anymore. He was, he's gone. 
He gets in the car, and he's okay. He's got this tag. It's dripping, and the guide looks at him and just, I'm talking, looks at him and just shakes his head. And he says, without using words, he says, you are an idiot. <laughs> Some encounters need a warning label. They ought to come with a warning label. This encounter with Jesus and Nicodemus is one of them. It's sort of like a, like a night encounter with Jesus. Encountering Jesus at night. This is the, the story we're in. So it starts off, uh, John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know, everybody say no. We know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs you do unless God is with them. This is a, it's a tale of two teachers. Nicodemus is a teacher of sorts. Uh, he's a Pharisee. He goes to Jesus, and he says, look, Jesus, I'm, I'm a teacher, and you're a teacher, and kind of so, you know, nobody's around. Let's, let's, let's talk. Let's chat. Um, by John telling us that he's a Pharisee, uh, John the author, telling us that Nicodemus is a Pharisee, he's really telling us a lot. Um, how many of you guys, how many of you guys do you think that, like, maybe you've, you've heard about the Pharisees, uh, maybe you heard some stories or written in, written, uh, read in Scripture about the Pharisees? How many of you guys think, when you think of Pharisee, you're like, those are the bad people? Anybody, you're like, those are bad people, bad people. Anybody you read the Bible, you hear about the Pharisees, you're like, those are the good people. Pharisees are the good people. Anybody in here, you're like, you're not going to trick me, Joel. I'm not raising my hand. Anybody? Yes, that's the rest of y'all. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I've, I've seen too many pastors. I know where you're going with this one. Nicodemus was um, kind of the, just the typical representative of Pharisaic Judaism. Oftentimes we think of Pharisees as the, as the bad guys. It's not really how we should think. Um, there's a long story about where the Pharisees uh, came from, about how the Jewish people were in captivity and in Babylon. They didn't have a temple to worship at. Uh, they couldn't offer sacrifices. And so, so the, God calls these people out. And, 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 and that's who the Pharisees are. They're this called out group of people that were, were born out of captivity. And basically they go, look, the reason we're in this situation is because we didn't, we didn't listen to God. We disobeyed God. We disobeyed God, and he allowed us to be in this situation. He, he allowed us to deal with our own consequences. Sometimes, sometimes God will let you deal with your own consequences in order to get your attention. And so this group of people are kind of, they kind of rise to the top and they go, look, the reason we're here is because of our disobedience. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn back to God. We're going to turn back to God. How many of y'all, that sounds like a good message. We should turn back to God. Those were the Pharisees. So the Israelites were, they're miserable in captivity and, and they go, look, we don't want to go that way anymore. We want to turn back and go the other way. And only way in Babylon, in this other under rule by this other nation as to the only way to show your obedience was to follow God's law, obedience to God. So the Pharisees emerge uh, really in this, in this period where people are like, how do we, how are we going to show that we're faithful? Okay, we're not going to go that way anymore. We're going to go this way instead. And so Pharisees were really by this time, people would see them as the most devout followers of God's law. They, they would have been like the, 
the super Christians trying to do their best. All right? They were, at this, by this point, seen as the, as the spiritual elite. Somewhere along the way, some things had drifted and had changed. So Nicodemus shows up on the scene. He probably, probably comes from a good family. He's probably got the, the right traditions, right family traditions. He, he has this strict adherence to the law, and yet he still comes at night. He still shows up at night. So he's, he, he's a man of status, but he's also curious. And, you know, I know you do these signs. And so something is going on here, Jesus. He's got status, but he's also curious. So we got to stop here and ask, in what ways, do, in what ways might we see Nicodemus as, as our own story? So we live in Huntsville, the, uh, the best city in America to live and also raise a family. Not sure if you guys read that one. I've repeated that numerous times. Y'all should know this by now. We live in Huntsville. We have this, we're in this culture today. I mean, we don't, care. we don't care much about status. What does status matter, right? No. No, I, you know, I wish we could relate. There are all kinds of statuses we deal with. We deal with uh, economic status. We deal with uh, beauty status. We deal with influencer status. How many likes and follows and hearts and tweets and all the words? How many of those do you have? All those things. How many do you have? We deal with religious status. Some people, some people for some reason attempt status even with their uh, religious affiliation. I don't know why you don't do that, but we do that because we don't have enough to compare with. We do that too. You have Christian status. You have behavior status. You have resume status. You've got education status. So the thought is, if I'm going to encounter Jesus, if I'm going to approach Jesus, what is Jesus going to do if I come to him with, you know, with, with my resume or, or with my diploma or with my, with, with my bank account? Is he going to be like, no, nah, you, can't, you can't be here. Or is he going to be like, well, you're going to have to give all that up? What is, what is Jesus, how does Jesus respond? So many of us can relate to, to Nicodemus. We should ask him the question, do any of these things that I've spent my life building, do any of these things, do any of these mean anything to you, Jesus? My business status, my relationship status, is it, does any of this status stuff matter to you? Nicodemus is... Coming at night, he's showing up to Jesus at night. So he's thinking, I'm just not sure what to expect. But John, the author here, is also setting the scene for us. Setting the scene for us. It's at, it's at night. He does this on purpose because Jesus always ends up doing his best miracles at night. He always does his best. I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you. The, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. What's that word? Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be what? Formless and void. There was 
formlessness and voidness, and it was dark, and it was empty, and it was nothing, but there was something. There was, I don't even, it's, it's, it's so clouded of language, we can't even imagine it. And yet, out of this comes this. God does his best miracles. In John chapter 1, so fast forward from, you know, creation all the way to John Chapter 1, verse 1, that's the gospel we're in right now. We're in chapter 3, but let's go back to chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Talking about Jesus. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that's been made. In Him was life, and that life was what? The light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not over. Come it. Maybe, maybe some of you are in the room now and you're in a dark place. Maybe your mind is in a dark place. Maybe your heart is in a dark place. Maybe you're just in a dark place and you need to hear this today. God does his best miracles in the dark. There is no darkness that is too far or too dark for God's light. The light of God, the life of God. John's using these words interchangeably. The light of God comes in and thus the light of God is also the life of God. God does his best miracles in dark places. Maybe you feel like your circumstances have left you in the dark or confusion has left you in the dark. Maybe somebody's done something to you or maybe it comes from something that you've done. You feel like, man, I just wish I had some light. Maybe I just, maybe I just had some hope. God does his best miracles in the dark. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He says, look, I know you're a teacher. And Jesus responds, verse 3, we're moving through. Here it goes. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. So this born again phrase, it's not a, it, it, it isn't a barrier as much as it is an invitation. He's saying, Nicodemus, you don't understand because you haven't been born anew yet. There's, there's something else going on. And so Nicodemus, a lot of you guys have heard this story before. He goes, he responds. He goes, how, how is this possible? Verse 4, Nicodemus asks, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the womb for a second time and to be born, isn't it? Isn't it, Jesus? This is kind of, you know, basic biology, Jesus. We're going to be born all over again? And so Jesus responds with this. He answers, I assure you, unless someone is born, everybody say born, Born. of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised, I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It is the same with everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's interesting, Jesus uses the word born here four times. So John's writing, there's no really punctuation. There's no uh, italicized words. You can't put in bold the Scripture. You can't underline it. And so, so one of the ways that you bring emphasis is to repeat it. So Jesus is repeating the word here. It's kind of like uh, the angels. They sing, holy, holy, holy. We sang that a little uh, earlier. It's a time when, when Jesus is talking to Mary and Martha, and he looks at Martha. Some of you guys know this story. And he looks at Martha, and he goes, Martha, Martha, Martha. He's, he's, they're emphasizing it 
on purpose. And so this is what Jesus is doing here. So Jesus is uh, emphasizing because he wants to talk about birth. The, the, the word here for birth is geneseo. Sounds like Genesis. That's what John wants us to think about. It, it, he wants us to think about how does, how does Genesis begin? What, what are the words of Genesis? In the beginning. How does the gospel of John begin? It's the same. In the beginning. Wants us to, wants us to recognize something here. Wants us, to, wants us to understand what's going on. We're talking about the the beginning, we're, we're, ta- we're talking about the very beginning, in the beginning. And then, and then Jesus starts talking about that you got to go back and you got to be born anew. Nicodemus is confused. i got to go back and go, i got to be in the womb, womb again. Like, what is that? I don't, even, I don't even remember that. Anybody remember before you were born? No? Nobody? Yeah, okay. I didn't know. I used to, um, I used to be a, a, a children's pastor. I could have asked that question and gotten a lot of hands. I just want you all to know that. Imagine, imagine, you know, asking an infant after they're born, you know, let's say they could talk, and you're asking them, you know, what, what, what was it, what, you know, what was it like in the womb? They'd be like, it's pretty dark, you know, it's kind of restricted in there. I, I, you can't do a lot of moving around. It's, it's nice and warm, you know. Um, here's some, you know, odd noises, muffled noises all the time. What is it? What's it like in there? And this is how Nicodemus is coming to Jesus. He's still in the womb. He's still there. He's still in the dark. Now he's born. He's born, but he's not yet born. He sees, but he doesn't really yet see. This is Nicodemus coming to Jesus. That's why Jesus says, you have to be born Again, you got to be born anew. Everybody has a way of experiencing life. Everybody has a womb. Everybody is in darkness. They have a way of seeing that keeps us from experiencing eternal life. This way, this view, everybody has their own everybody has their own view, their own way. You talk to anybody Right now, there's a lot of ways of living and viewing life. There's a lot of different ways and views of life. Jesus is addressing something specific here. This this wound that he's addressing, this way in the Bible, the Bible calls it sin. But that that darkness, that way conceals itself in Nicodemus in in certainty and in status. And and Nicodemus shows up and he's... He should be around everybody else. He seems so sure of himself. He's got the right status. He's got the right beliefs. He's so certain. And yet somehow we get the feeling when he meets Jesus, he's not quite so certain anymore. And Jesus says, you got to be born again. Here's the truth. All of us, all of us come to Jesus in the dark. We don't come to Jesus already in the light we don't come to Jesus already knowing all the things that we need to know. When we come to Jesus, we're still in the dark. We may be picking up on clues here and there, but either you're born or you're not born. When we come to Jesus, we come to Jesus in the dark. So a couple points this morning, if you're taking notes, we're just talking about encountering Jesus. A couple thoughts that we get from Nicodemus in uh, encounter with Jesus. The first one is this. Jesus is all about new beginnings. John's talking about light 
and he's talking about birth, and as John is saying, he's trying to say, hint, hint, Jesus is all about new beginnings. Right here, and we pause, maybe we say, look, Joel, I don't, I don't know if a new beginning, I don't know if a new start's really going to help me much. I, I, I don't know, would a, would a do-over really help me? I'm not sure I'm going to do any better. What if I just go back and do all the same mistakes and again? Uh, again? What, if I, what, if, what if I just do all the same ones again? I'm, I'm, look, John is creative. You already talked, you know, John's creative. He's the creative author of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're called the synoptics, but John's kind of the artist. He's got his own thing going on here, and he's, and he's pulling pieces together. And you're like, John's creative, and I'm pretty creative too. I, there's a creative way that I can destroy my own life. I can do it. I've done it before. I could do it again. Maybe you're like, I don't know that a new, you know, I don't know the new start is really going to be that helpful. But Jesus is talking about a lot more than a fresh start. He's talking about more than a do-over. It's not about a fresh start. It's about fresh power. New birth is more than a fresh start. Jesus talking to Nicodemus, it's, it's a lot more than just a, just a do-over. Nicodemus thinks Jesus is talking about a new start, and Jesus is saying, I'm talking about something different. Nicodemus is thinking, you know, how do I restart the story? Or, or maybe he's thinking, why would I even want to restart? I'm, I'm a Pharisee. I'm doing pretty good. Why would I want to restart now? I'm, I'm in a good place. I got everything I need. I just, I just got this one little question. I don't know. You're a teacher, and you're doing miracles, but you gotta, you're saying a few weird things, and you haven't come to me and asked for advice. You're kind of doing your own thing on your own. And you, somehow you don't even need my approval. This is one little nagging. So maybe Nicodemus is like, I don't, you know, maybe I don't, maybe I don't want a new start. I don't know that I want to hit the restart button. And Jesus is over here saying, you don't get it. New birth is so much more powerful than a new start. New start sounds like a do-over, doesn't it? Ah, just reset, restart. You gamers in here, y'all know what I'm talking about. Ah, just start back over. Uh, I died, I'll just reset. <laughs> I'll just go again. Maybe you're, maybe you're new to faith, and so you think, you know, baptism. You're like, baptism? Oh, okay, it sounds, like a, it sounds like a bath. It sounds like a fresh start. Just go get, like, spiritual clean, and then I'm done, and then, you know, reset kind of thing. What Jesus is talking about here is so much more than a reset or a restart. He's talking about a fresh beginning, not just a fresh beginning, but fresh power. That's why he says, if you're born of the flesh, you're still flesh. That's all of us in here, by the way. We were, we were born of the flesh. But if you're born of the Spirit, you get new power. Jesus is offering not a new start, but a new birth. And a new birth means new power. It's different. It's different. It's different. That's why it's, it's one of the hardest things. One of the hardest things in, in the South, in the, in the Bible belt, the buckle of the Bible belt, the little... The little the little piece on the buckle, that little flat thing right there of the buckle on the belt. That's us. Everybody's like, yeah, I'm born again. I've been born again. I found Jesus. Yeah, I found him. I found him. He's hiding out and I found him and but I'm good now. Check mark the box. I got it. It's not, a, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, just a fresh start. It's a fresh power. It's a rebirth. It's, so, it's, it's, it's hard to articulate that because it's a mystery. So we read this passage with Nicodemus, and we're like, look, Nicodemus is confused. I don't want to tell anybody else. I'm totally confused, too. I don't know what Jesus is saying. And you're like, I don't, what am I supposed to do? Because it's, it's a mystery, and yet it's so real. 
Jesus is talking about something different. Number two is this. Jesus is all about new beginnings. Number two is only Jesus can bring new life. Maybe some of you are like, I don't, I don't have good status. I don't, I don't have a good family. I don't, I don't have much looking back, really, to offer good news. Only Jesus brings new life. Maybe you're like, well, I don't really fit in. I don't really measure up. I don't, life just doesn't seem to work out for me. You ever felt like that? I got good news. Only Jesus brings new life. Maybe you're here and you say, I've got, I, look, I've, I've got it all together. Or I don't have it all together. Or I, I come from a good family. Or I don't have a good family. Or I've, I've got lots of savings. Or maybe I don't have lots of savings. I'm an experienced Christian. Or I'm not a very experienced Christian. Wherever you are, the good news is this. Only Jesus brings new life. Doesn't matter where you come from or how much you think that you have. Only Jesus brings new life. Everybody is in the same boat at the foot of the cross. Everybody's the, you're on the same, you, you, we're all bringing nothing. We're all bringing nothing. Jesus doesn't tear Nicodemus down. He doesn't say what you have or what you know is worthless. He just says, that's for this birth over here. I'm talking about something different. And only Jesus brings new life. Only Jesus brings new life. Good news is God's already decided you can, you can belong as a child of God. No performance, no achievement, nothing to hit that status. Man, we're all about leveling up, about just clicking up, just get the next, the next status, the next thing, the next... When it comes to Jesus, you're already there. So maybe like Nicodemus, you say this, John chapter 3, verse 9. Nicodemus gets to this point. He says, how are these things possible? How is this possible? Verse 10, Jesus answered, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things. Look, I love Jesus and I'm, I'm glad that we have this picture in our mind that oftentimes he is very nice. But like... He's, he's kind of making fun of Nicodemus here. I just want you all to know that. Like, you're a teacher and you don't know these things? Like, sometimes, sometimes Jesus is meek and mild, and sometimes he's the lion on the rock. Sometimes he bends down and he makes a whip, and he goes into the temple, and he just starts whipping people. He says, he, he, Jesus, he, so here he is, warning label Jesus. You're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Sometimes you got to get called out. How many of y'all like getting called out? I love it. Love getting called out. Yeah. Yeah, call me out. Show me that I'm wrong. Look, there's right ways to do that and wrong ways. Most of the time is wrong. None of us like getting called out. But how often do we need it? What if somebody in your life just walks along with you your entire life, just everything you do, always telling you that you're just right and everything you do is right? That's not, that, that would feel good. It would be terrible for you. It would feel good. It would be terrible for you. Because all of a sudden, one day you encounter life. And you meet that guy who's like, oh, I'm not your mom. <laughs> you have that boss. And they go, oh, I'm not, I'm not your dad. I'm your boss. Let me, tell you, let me tell you where all the things you're doing wrong. So here Jesus is, not trying to hurt, not trying to wound, 
just trying to peel that blanket back a little bit so that we can see. I assure you, this is what he says, we speak about what we know and testify about what we've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. He's talking about the Pharisees. If I told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one, the son of man. He's talking about himself. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one, the Son of Man, be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So Jesus is referencing, there's this Old Testament story. Uh, There was a plague in the Israelite camp and uh, there was a a, a snake that was put on a pole and it was lifted up. And anybody that looked um, would would receive healing. And so Jesus is is like, look, this, this experience with Moses should have been a clue for you. And Nicodemus knows what he's talking about. He's got the, he's got the, the, the um, first five books of our Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Anybody ever read all five books of those? Uh, all five of those? Anybody got them memorized? You got those in your heart? Good. I mean, you can raise your hand. That'd be great. Nicodemus has them. Has, he's, got them he's got them memorized. And Jesus says, you know the truth. But somehow you're not accepting the truth. You know about this story, Moses in the wilderness. You know about all this, but you're not receiving it. And so he continues on. He says this, verse 16. Everyone believes in him and will have eternal life because God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. Isn't it amazing how something so revolutionary can become so familiar to us. Imagine Nicodemus hearing this for the first time. God God loved the world so much. God loved the world? He loved it? I thought my job was to go around and tell everybody all the things they're doing wrong. God loved the world so much that he sent his son? So he answers, how is this possible? The answer is this. God loves you more than you know. God loves you more than you know. Nicodemus knew everything there was to know and somehow was missing this. God loves you more than you know. Nicodemus comes to him at night. Next week, we're going to talk about a woman that comes to Jesus at noon. We're talking about God is closer to you than you know. God has an encounter for every one of these individuals. He's meeting with them. God loves you more than you know. It's the Father's love that makes it possible to become children of God. Maybe maybe you're like, man, Joel, I don't know. I'm still not sure. So verse 17, he says this. So God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world. So Jesus is talking about himself. He's talking third person here. All right. You ever talking third person? You ever? I had a friend who used to do that all the time. His name was Benny. I'd be like, Benny, we know who you are. Just say, just say, just use personal pronouns here. Jesus says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Third one is this. Third point is this. Jesus came as savior, not as judge. Here's the deal. Jesus didn't come to put us in the dark or to condemn us to the dark without Christ. We are already in the dark. We're already there. This this can be difficult for us. Because we can surround ourselves with so many voices that will agree with us and none that don't. It's so easy to get people around us to agree with us today, isn't it? 
to cultivate an environment of agreement where really only people, the only people around us are the ones telling us the things that we, that we want to hear. We, we all do this. We all do it. It's easier than ever now. I mean, there, there are algorithms, digital algorithms created to do that for us just so that we'll continue to take in more and more of that. It's called, a, it's called an echo chamber. You know what that sounds like to me? A womb. There's a difference between judging and truth-telling. And judging, there's condemnation, but when it comes to truth-telling with Jesus, there's always an invitation into freedom. You don't have to be in the dark. He said, I came not to condemn you to the dark, but to invite you into the light. So Nicodemus' question is, how can this be? And Jesus' answer is, God loves you more than you know. But how, no, explain it to me. I just did. God loves you more than you know. But give me all the details. I got to know all the secrets. I need to know all the things so I can check mark the boxes. I got to, 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 I got to. And Jesus says, this is how it works. God loves the world so much he gave. So much he gave. Everything you are, Everything you are in Christ is a response to his love that he already has for you. We don't conjure up or earn anything. It's such a, such a weight so often on our lives when we come into uh, church environments like this. Where we come in and we go, I know, I don't. look, if I ask every one of you individually, and it was just a, it was a, it was a pastor-parishioner conversation. I just said, I just asked you, do you feel like you measure up right now to God? Probably all of, probably all of us in the room would say, well, no. No. I've, I've got good news for you. Jesus says, unless someone is born, not just born, not just born, but born again, born of the Spirit, a rebirth, I was Lost, and I'm found. I was, I was broken, but now I'm healed. I was, a, I was a sinner, and now I'm saved. Now I'm saved. And now I'm making my way toward freedom. I got good news for us this morning. A verse that is so familiar to so many of us will never not be revolutionary. How can this be? How can Jesus encounter me? Because God so loved the world that he gave. God loves you so much that he gave. Now there's a response that we have. When we follow Jesus, when we decide to walk with him, we let go of all the voices and all the, th all the stuff that was dragging us down before. We entrust ourselves to him that he forgives us of all of our sin. But then we also say, God, whatever voice you have, I'm going to interpret every other voice through your voice from now on. Whatever truth you have, the truth you have, I'm going to interpret all the other truths of my life actually through that truth. And if this truth over here doesn't line up with your truth, then, I don't, I, then, I'll, then I'll say I don't, that's not a truth for me anymore. Even if I wish that was the truth because it feels a lot better. And somehow you're calling me into something richer and greater, bigger, deeper, full, rich life.
That's, that's the invitation. Why? How can this be? Because God loves. Not because we love, but because God loves. <laughs> hey, would you close your eyes with me? I want to pray for you this morning. What happens to Nicodemus? It was just crazy. Nicodemus is, a, is a, like a to-be-continued story. Two more times John mentions Nicodemus. John 7, Nicodemus shows up and defends Jesus' reputation. John chapter 19, there's this guy named Joseph who buries Jesus' body and Nicodemus asks to help him. I, I, I think Nicodemus was born again. Some people wake up. Some people wake up and it's already light outside. Some people wake up and the sun is just beginning to rise and it takes a little bit for it to come up. But in both cases, you're awake to the light. I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're in here and you just say, Joel, I, I'm, look, I'm in the dark. I'm, I'm not going to be around the bush. I'm in the dark. I'm not walking with Christ. Or, or, or maybe it's been a long time since I could say I was walking with Christ, but I want to change that today. I, I, I want to walk with Jesus. I want, um, I want that in my life. If that's you, nobody's looking around. It's just me and, and, and Jesus. If that's you, you just say, that's me. I want, I want to walk with Jesus now. I'm not, or um, I used to, but I'm not now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high and you put it back down. I want to walk with Jesus today. Yes. Or maybe you're in here and you say, Joel, I'm, I'm walking with Christ, but I'm in a dark place. And the truth is, I just, I need to be refreshed today. I need to be reminded of that moment when, when I first opened my eyes to the truth and the freedom of Jesus. I need to be reminded of that, that sunrise over my own soul that brought me into the light. I, I need to be reminded of the light of forgiveness of my sins, of purpose, of future for my life, of the hope I have in Jesus. If that's you that, this morning, that's your prayer. You just say, Joel, pray for me for a refreshing today. I'm in a dark place. I need the light of Jesus in my life. Would you just raise your hand real, real high and you put it back down. Light of Jesus in my life. Yes, so many, so many. Anybody else? Yes. Father, this morning, there's, there's nothing that we can bring to you that would impress you. <laughs> but somehow your response to us is already that you send your son in order that we might have eternal life. And so, God, we come to you just how you've asked us to come to you with our whole selves holding nothing back. And so we ask this morning for everyone in this room that raised their hand and maybe even those that didn't, God, that you would shine the light of Jesus. God, may the light of Jesus shine over the hearts of the people in this room today. God, every dark space, every depressing space, every anxious space, every hurt, every sadness, God, every darkness, God, I pray you would shine your light, cover this space, God, with the light of God. Lord, it is, a, it is a promise. It is a gift, your Holy Spirit. So we receive your Holy Spirit today. God, I pray that you would fill this church anew, fill each of these people anew today. We thank you for it. Baptize us, God, in the light of God and in your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.